0: Hi, and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we're joined by Adriana Chavira. Adriana is a journalism teacher at Daniel Pearl Magnet School in Los Angeles. She's been teaching for more than 20 years and previously worked as a newspaper reporter. She's a graduate of Cal State Northridge. We're having Adriana on this week because it is Scholastic Journalism Week. The Journalism Education Association is doing and promoting activities all week geared to bringing awareness to journalism education. Hi, Adriana. Thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So the first thing we ask every yes, doesn't matter if they're a teacher, writer, editor, publisher, whatever, what's your journalism origin story?
1: Wow, that's a very good one. I guess ever since elementary school, I enjoyed writing. I was very good at it. I won some prizes, even as an elementary school kid. And so, you know, I knew I had a knack for writing. And obviously, I was also a good reader. And at home, my parents always had the news on you know, we watched, you know, the evening broadcast news in English at four or five o'clock. And then when we we're having dinner at six o'clock, we always had the news on in Spanish. And so at our household, news was big, keeping up with the world. My dad would always bring the Spanish language newspaper home every day. And that's how I actually learned how to read in Spanish is by reading uh, La Opinion, which is a Spanish language paper here in Los Angeles. And so, you know, my parents always made sure you know, to know what was going on in the world. And so early on, I knew that news was very important. And so sometime in the eighth grade, in my English class, we had a research careers that we wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I like reading and I like writing and I'm good at both. And, you know, I like the news. So maybe I'll, you know, look at something, you know, in news related. And so I started looking at that. Um, Once I got into high school, I worked on my school paper for two years to see if I got the hang of it or if I liked it. Uh, I am a naturally shy person, uh, definitely an introvert. And so definitely that's a huge obstacle for journalists. Uh, But I, you know, have, you know, when it comes to work, I just do it. And, you know, obviously in college, I also I just right away, I mean, in high school, I, I really enjoyed it. So I went on and majored in in journalism in college and, you know, spent a whole, you know, two semesters on my school paper, got an internship. And so it's just something that at that point I thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. You know, I could not think of anything else I wanted to do.
0: We always ask too, can you tell us about your, your, you mentioned your family already a little bit, but is there anything in your family or heritage that lends itself to storytelling?
1: At least in my circle, no, you know, not really. I, we just always just, I, I, get, I think more of my storytelling came from school, but not, you know, like at home, we, were, we weren't we were up telling stories a lot or anything like that. So I guess I just learned, picked it up from, I guess more from school or watching movies or, you know, definitely reading books.
0: And okay, so from there, as I understand it, you went into newspaper reporting. And I'm curious if you could just walk us through your kind of your career path.
1: Well, soon after college i from cal state northridge here in los angeles southern california i got it took me about maybe six months to get a job a full-time job in a newspaper i actually worked for four different newspapers once i got out of college all pretty much local community-based newspapers they were daily ones but pretty much allowed me to you know do i was definitely a, a i was a city reporter so we covered city i did some education depending on what uh newspaper I was in and in some of them I covered Latino issues I am bilingual so definitely that was definitely something that I enjoyed doing and so I did that for 10 years here all here in Southern California pretty much every three years I would move around except for the desert sun in Palm Springs that one I was only there for six months oh. someone told me hey you know we have an opening at you know larger paper you know do you know anyone who would be interested I'm like oh me because that was a paper that was you know a lot larger, pretty much every single year, I was moving to something, you know, bigger paper. Ideally, my, my dream job was always to get to the LA Times. At that point, they weren't hiring too many 20 year old, you know, 20 something year olds. Now that you know, they had been, or have been doing that. But at that point, they were, you know, pretty much hiring older people, or very seasoned reporters. So, you know, I thought, oh, maybe eventually, I'll end up at the LA Times. But maybe after my 10th year, I was like, I kind of need a change. I was just not happy. And there was a whole lot of different reasons why I was not happy in my job. And I decided to leave journalism.
0: So revisiting the career path, you mentioned that you left journalism. Eventually, you got into teaching. Can you walk us through the the transition?
1: Yes, it was a very tough one. Definitely one of the toughest decisions I had to make. Because like I said earlier, I always thought I was going to be doing journalism. I never thought of anything else. You know, I'm like, If I do anything else, I'd have to go back to school, and that's not something I wanted to do. So I started thinking about what would I do. I mean, the only skills I pretty much had were writing, reading, and that was pretty much it. So I couldn't think of anything else. But I had, during my total time as a reporter, I volunteered, or I was a member also of the, then called the California Chicano News Media Association. So it's an organization for Latino journalists. And, you know, I was involved with it. I volunteered at their workshops. They had summer camps for high school journalists, students. And, you know, I really enjoyed those. And I got a lot of it, a lot out of helping kids, you know, write their stories. You know, I remember once it was down, we were down in San Diego and I took two kids to cover a fire up in the mountains. And, you know, we were driving back, you know, to whatever college we were staying at. And the kids were just exhausted from reporting and writing that they fell asleep in the back of my car. And I just remember, you know, all, all the things that the kids got out of that. And so I thought, okay, maybe I could go into teaching with the goal of becoming a journalism teacher. And so I had a, here in California, they do not offer credentials in journalism teaching at the high school level. So I had to get an English credential, even though in college, I only took one English class because everything else was, you know, journalism classes or my minor, which was Chicano studies. And so um, at at that same time that I was making that transition, the Los Angeles Unified School District, which I work for, they were having, they started a program, kind of like a boot camp for people who were changing careers. And so that made the switch very easy for me. Because there's no way I can afford to not work and so that I can go back to school. I had a deaf, you know, I'm I'm single. So I had to, you know, be able to support myself. So they had a program where they pretty much gave us six weeks of a boot camp for how to become a teacher. And then we enrolled in a college credential program, which was Cal State North, which I had been to already. And so at the same time that I was getting my credential, I was already teaching in the classroom full time. Because when I went to, you know, a job fair to get hired, I was hired like within 10 minutes. That's how much of a need they had for English teachers at that time. And so I got hired very quickly. I was already teaching uh, by the time. So I was teaching full time. I was getting my credential. uh, So that went on for about, I guess, took my credential about two years. And so it was just a very smooth transition. So to me, that, that was a good sign that I was on the right path to do that.
0: You're currently at Daniel Pearl, which was named after the former Wall Street Journal reporter who was murdered by terrorists in Pakistan. Can you explain how the journalism program works at your school? So
1: it's actually the journalism program that I'm at. It used to be connected to Birmingham High School several years ago. I guess now 15, 16 years ago, Birmingham High School Uh, decided to go charter so when they went charter the magnet program separated so we're still under los angeles unified and so birmingham is still there that's where he graduated from and then we're at a different campus just a few you know several feet away from birmingham and it's just daniel pearl magnet high school where i work at is the smallest comprehensive high school in the school district so we only have about 220 students at our school the focus is journalism, and pretty much all the ninth graders, when they come in, they take photography, which is the intro to journalism class. So they get immersed right away with journalism. And then if they decide, you know, in the 10th, 11th, or 12th grade to continue, they join either the broadcast program, we have someone else teaches that, or they continue with my publications classes where we produce a newspaper, not news, it's a news website, a news magazine, and the yearbook.
0: And what are the demographics of the students that that are at the school?
1: Um, We have about 55% Latino. So it's a very diverse school. And we have, you know, a mix of Asians, a few, you know, African-American students. Um, You know, we have some from Russia. We have students from Ukraine. So we have have a lot of different people from all around the country.
0: So... uh Small peek behind the curtain here that this came, episode came about because I asked PJ Cabrera, who leads the work done for Scholastic Journalism Week, for an example of a teacher that's doing really cool things that comes from a background underrepresented in the field with the idea that they were also teaching groups of students that are underrepresented in the field. Let's, let's address the cool things aspect of that first. What are some of the cool things that your students are doing?
1: They always are coming up with different types of stories. Because we are a small school, it's kind of hard to come up with a lot of like, we don't have a lot of like breaking news like other schools do. So our students kind of take a look at, we we have a section called special reports, which we kind of look at deep dives into bigger issues. And it varies. Like one that's coming up soon is about thrifting. You know, kids love to go thrifting and go shopping at thrift stores. So, we, you know, we have a video of that, of someone going, to, you know, giving you tips on how to do that. We have stories on that and why it's good. In the past, we've had some stories on, like, LGBT issues. The kids, you know, whatever is on their minds or whatever concerns them, that's what they, they pitch. And, you know, they pretty much have a go at, at it. They have the freedom to do that, luckily.
0: What kind of questions are they asking? What are they like? What are they coming to class with in terms of questions and observations? And what kind of discussions ensue from they're following the news and they're kind of executing, uh, reporting the news.
1: Following the news, I don't think they do that as much as I wish as maybe previous generations. Even though now they do have, obviously, the whole world in it, you know, in their hands with their iPhones. Um, they don't keep up with the news as much. You know, every single week I give them um, the news quiz, the current events news quiz that JEA puts out. And sometimes, you know, the kids are like, okay, who's that? Or, you know, so it's like some of the questions, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I, I, I get to the point where, okay, stop now, Google it, go, in the, go to the LA Times, search for this answer. So they're not as um, up to date on that as I would like them to. But they do realize that they need to, you know, and it's important to do so, especially now, you know, we have an election, you know, election coming up, and I know they are going to be addressing the elections. So I think everything with them is often they, as things come up, they definitely need to do the research or, or they know that they they research things as they're as are coming up. So they're not as up to date with everything as I would like to, but they try, they try.
0: What are the stories that they've done recently that you're most proud of?
1: Sometime last year they did one on on lead in the pipes of the water drinking water fountains. And so that's one that, you know, they had to search for public records requests to do that. Another one that actually also used and this was from last semester, that also used public records requests was one on traffic in the area because we're we have there's a lot of schools in just in our vicinity within a like two block area and so there's a lot of congestion and so students got reports public records reports from the city or the la los angeles police department on traffic and accidents and you know that that was actually several months of waiting for those records and then once we got the records Sifting through them and figuring out, okay, what's important? What do we need? That sort of thing. And so many people would probably be done, you know, be overwhelmed by all of that, but they, you know, dig into it and they like that.
0: What are you, What are you like as a teacher?
1: A lot, a lot. I mean, I just like seeing their faces when they learn something, when they see their stories in print or their bylines. Just kind of giving them the confidence to do things or giving them the responsibility of you know doing journalism just even just right now at the end of today I asked two freshmen to go with my editors to take photos of sports and so the kids were like floored that they were asked to do that because usually the freshmen don't do any reporting outside of the school and or definitely taking photos I don't let them take photos pretty much out of the classroom and so they were just you know very I guess they were honored I guess i for lack like of a better word, that you know they were selected to go with the you know uh, student media kids and go take photos of you know sports, which definitely sports is some of the best photography that high school journalists do, and so they were just very, very impressed that they you know got that got asked to do that.
0: I know that the theme for Scholastic Journalism Week, like each day has its own theme, and the first two days are, if I'm not mistaken, journalism now, journalism then. What lessons from your past and your experience as a newspaper reporter and what lessons from your early days of teaching do you benefit from, do you impart now?
1: I often share, like, whatever I went through, you know, whenever I said, oh, you know, one time when, like, sometimes when we're doing interviewing, you know, I go over sometimes when... You know, my, when I was asking questions, maybe tough questions, and someone, you know, hung up the phone on me because they didn't like, you know, the questions I was asking. And so things like that or times when maybe my tip recorder malfunctioned because, you know, we didn't have phones back then. And so and definitely we didn't have, you know, I, right now I, have, I encourage the kids to use Otter AI to record and transcribe their work. And so just, I just tell them, you know, always write things down because technology can and will fail you. Things like that, or even, you know, just times when I did whatever recording, I often share things, even though it was definitely a long time ago that I was a reporter. I still, you know, tell them, you know, how, as long as you can write and, you know, take notes and ask good questions, you know, you'll be fine.
0: And then Thursday is Press Freedom Day. And that's a subject that you've had uh, considerable experience in. In 2021 and 2022, you and your students were in the national news over a press freedom issue for which you received overwhelming support. I think the story will be better told by you than by me. So can you share the story of what happened?
1: Sure. Here in my school district in the fall of 2021, the school board approved a policy saying that all employees who are on school sites had to be vaccinated against COVID in order to remain on their jobs around kids. And so, you know, that I think that affected about maybe 300 or 500 people in the school district, which is the second largest school district in the country. And so someone on our staff, on our faculty staff, was affected. Someone who was, you know, here one day and then the following week, they were not here. And it was because they were not vaccinated. And so my students wrote about that because I think one or two of the editors had that teacher, it was the librarian, had her for library practice. And so the student was very familiar with the teacher's point of view because, you know, pretty, we're a small school, so everyone knows one another. We only have like 14, 13 or 14 faculty members. And, you know, everyone's pretty close. So, you know, the, the students wrote about, wrote the story about that. And, you know, we didn't think, you know, it was a big deal at that time. And so it was published in November. And it took a while from the time that, this is, that the person that was no longer on campus to when it was published because the reporter, you know, kept going back trying to get an interview with the person. the The librarian would respond, but would not. Directly answer those questions, so it's not anything that we can we could publish, and so you know it took a while to get you know the facts straight and everything, and so we published the story, and then about a month later in November in I'm sorry in December, uh, I got an, an email request to remove her name from the story, and so I turned it over to the student editors and said you know this is a request. Uh, why don't you call the Student Press Law Center, see what they say, you know, because, you know, here, like many of newsrooms, it's very student driven. The students are the ones who decide how things are covered. And, you know, with the Student Press Law Center, we've contacted them, you know, over the years for various things. And the students are always the ones who initiate the contact. And so they did, they sat down with one of the attorneys. He asked them about, he read the story. He asked them how the reporting went. And in the end, he said, it's a newsworthy story. You know, definitely at that time, COVID was in the news everywhere. And our school district was one of the few ones that had such a policy, which was controversial. And so he said, no, it's newsworthy. The name can stay. So, you know, he helped the student editors, you know, craft an an email response. And so we sent it. And so when we got back from winter break, so it was January 2022, the students, or the the principal contacted me and says, you know, you need to take this down. I said, no, I'm not going to take it down. I said the students, and I I, I think I forwarded at that time the response that the students created. And so it was back and forth. And I was told, you know, you need to take it down or you're going to be in subordination. And I said, no, I'm not going to take anything down. That's censorship. I'm not doing that. And, you know, here in California, we have one of the oldest student press laws in the books. It's a California Ed Code 48907, and it's been in the book since like the 70s. So even way before Hazelwood case, even before the new voices cases that or new voices laws that are going into effect across the country. And so I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so that started a whole move by the district to suspend me. And so, you know, the whole ordeal lasted for for nine months. So in September, so September, 2022, I was given a three-day suspension and it was automatically appealed. And so I, you know, I was, I came to work every single day, you know, so that I never lost a day of, of work. So, you know, once the suspension was given, the the press learned about it and that's how we got a lot of momentum organization journalism organizations from across the country wrote a letter supporting me saying that the district is wrong in censoring us and giving me a suspension and they within two weeks of that the district rescinded the suspension and dropped it and that was it
0: what are the real world lessons that the students and you got from that experience
1: that there's a lot of support for us. And I think the students very, very, definitely felt empowered because it was just, you know, I mean, it, it also taught us to stand up for what you believe in, you know, definitely freedom of the press is something big. But that's the first unit I teach the ninth graders when they come into my journalism class. And, you know, we tell them about the importance of it. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would be facing censorship You know, because I am definitely, you know, have come from a journalistic background. Uh, I've been teaching journalism for 16 years here at the school, three and a half years prior at a different school. So, you know, my world has revolved around journalism for many, you know, decades. And so I never thought that, you know, I would face anything like this.
0: What's the relationship like between yourself, the students, and the school administrators now?
1: Oh, school? The students, is perfect. You know, I go about my day every single day, just, you know, teaching journalism like I do every single day. I love the school I'm at, you know, because I the whole day I teach, I'll, just journalism. I don't teach, it's been a while since I've taught English. So I just, I mean, to me, it's my dream school. It's a journalism school. With the administrator, definitely it's not, you know, it's not a good one. You know, he doesn't come to my room. He stays away from my room. You know, I haven't been, I think I was up for, I was supposed to be evaluated this year because it was, it had been delayed because of the suspension and I haven't been evaluated. So, I mean, he pretty much stays out of, out of my way or out of my area. But I, other than that, I don't, you know, have much of a relationship with the principal.
0: How much do you teach about Daniel Pearl?
1: Um, we we teach some of it, not like too much of it, except when I have when I have the students mostly in my classroom, they are ninth graders. So I do I, I would love to, there's a movie with it's called yep. uh, a mighty heart. That one I do like the movie. I really like it. But because it's very drama driven, I don't know, and dialogue driven. I don't know if the ninth graders would really understand all the politics involved. But we do talk about it. Uh, The school has a concert in his memory every October, which is the the month of his birth, and so we have a worldwide or school wide celebration of him as well. And his father uh, also comes visits the school. He usually is a speaker at our graduation, and so there's still, you know, definitely reminders of. Who Daniel Pearl is and the students know that and you know that he you know died during journalism.
0: Besides um, freedom of the press what are the other journalism issues that you're most passionate about?
1: Personally definitely uh, lack of diversity in newsrooms and more professional ones definitely that's a huge issue you know even when I was a reporter sometimes I was the only person who was bilingual only person of color in the newsroom so That's always been a big issue for me. I am involved with, I am on the board actually now of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. And so that's definitely, you know, their motto is more Latinos in news. Because here in, you know, all of my journalism career was in uh, newspapers here in Southern California, which technically should be more reflective of their um, populations or the the communities they serve and you know, back then in the 90s, they weren't that diverse. Um, even now, you know, their publications have been getting a bit better, but not as much as they should in terms of the numbers out there. And, then, you know, just recently, the Los Angeles Times had a massive layoffs. And, you know, one of their sections that was primarily geared toward Latinos, especially younger Latinos, was pretty much decimated. It was, and so that was that was very sad. And, you know, as someone who teaches to a lot of students who are of color, it's kind of disheartening. Not a lot of them go into journalism. You know, they don't come here with the idea that they're going to become journalists. But it's still, you know, sometimes they do, once they're in the class, they really see the importance of journalism and how vital it is, you know, for our society. And sometimes they do, you know, switch, you know, and decide to go into journalism. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, once you get up, college is you know are there going to be many jobs for you and that's a big you know question I have about you know where is journalism leading
0: to do you have are there success stories that you can point to with within alums of the school
1: oh yes definitely you know I have at least one who maybe graduated now maybe 10 12 years ago who's now producer at a local Fox station here in Los Angeles you know and so she you know didn't stay away from Los Angeles too far when she went into broadcast. Because often, you know, people have to leave the, you know, Los Angeles area, especially in broadcast to, you know, make it to come back here and to the market. So she's there. I had one student who just, I think she, she actually just graduated last year from Cal State Northridge. And she is now in New York City. I think like two weeks ago, she moved to New York City to work for ABC. And so, yeah. And so she... Definitely made a big jump there. So there's definitely you know some success stories out there, and there's you know other ones working for the publications or designing for publications as well.
0: Besides the alums, what's the best part of being a journalism teacher?
1: The best part is I think just seeing their growth and kind of getting out of their comfort zone. You know, because definitely they come in and thinking you know as freshmen they're like, oh, I have to talk to people, I have to interview people. I have to take their photos. I have to film them because here in my class, I teach. I teach them all. You know, they they come out with various skills, and so just seeing them grow as a person and just kind of seeing their awareness of the world grow—that's huge. Uh, because I, I I don't think they realize that how much they learn from what from reading a newspaper, from keeping up with the news they learn so much about the world who people are and the importance and why things matter. And that's definitely something that I love. And also I love when they win contests, when, you know, they see their hard work awarded by other people other than me just saying them, Oh, you guys did great. It's like other people are saying, yes, you are, you know, very talented. You're a very good um, reporter or photographer.
0: And I neglected to mention that I know that your school has won several awards that including a pacemaker award, which is a high standard in the scholastic journalism ro- world. So you were, you've been talking about the lack of Latino and Latina journalists. What are some of the current voids that a younger journalist coming up could be looking to fill?
1: That's a tough one. But I think, like, and actually, like I said, a lot of the students who come to our school don't come here for journalism. Sometimes the ninth graders come in and they're like, they have no idea what journalism is. They come here because their parents want them to be in a small environment. And that's what we offer and a lot of them just you know want to go into medicine they want to go into maybe law there's so many different things and but the school the journalism skills that they learn are you know communicating talking definitely writing those are vital pretty much in every single career and cuz our, our our students definitely do or, you know you know how to put things how to work a website any company is going to hire you because all companies have websites. You can't, you know, pretty much, you're not a company if you don't have some presence on the internet. Also social media. You know, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that wasn't really a career. Now you have social media skills. You know, you can get a a very good job right out of college doing that because pretty much people over 50 are probably not as savvy as you on (laughs) on social media. And so definitely that's something that every you know company has, you know, they have a social media presence.
0: I'm 49. I'm trying to stay savvy. Teaching is hard. How do you manage your mental health?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I, I hike, I am an avid hiker. I run as well. So in the last 10 years, I've done a lot of hiking, a lot of running just to stay, you know, grounded and, you know, Just relax and clear my mind.
0: Okay. And what's the best thing about the JEA?
1: Oh, there's so many things. Definitely, JEA has helped me so much. I would definitely not be the the advisor I am without JEA. I learned about them probably, I was already maybe advising for four years when I learned about them. And, you know, I got involved with the local JEA. And I started attending the workshops. I started getting my students into their contests. And my whole advising changed. And so definitely, I think, you know, one of the first things I tell, you know, people when I meet them is like, oh, you need to join JEA because it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful organization. And definitely, like I said, I would not be the advisor I am right now without JEA.
0: So the show is called The Journalism Salute. We salute you and the JEA for your good work, and we ask that you do likewise. Is there a journalist or journalism organization other than them that you would like to salute for their good work?
1: I think I would salute the state scholastic organizations. I am a part of the Southern California Journalism Education Association, and I think at the local level, they do so much work, and definitely all volunteers. And they keep local journalism alive, or at least local scholastic journalism alive, because I know that with our organization, we, which is SCJEA, we you know have a small group of advisors who organize workshops. You know, we organize three workshops a year. We have contests for students, and you know, a lot of the schools that come to our events aren't able to go to the national convention. And so definitely, you know, we're a good alternative for those who, you know, can't go because of, mostly for budget reasons. And so I think definitely there's a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, hours that advisors put in. I definitely know that they put in a lot of work and definitely they need to be recognized and thanked and appreciated.
0: We, we appreciate uh, what they do. Adriana yes. Chavira. thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, best of luck. We will be following uh, the work at your school as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPot, and you can email us at Salute at gmail.com.